A happy Labor Day weekend to all. Welcome into Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Hope you're enjoying a great day. Maybe you're out barbecuing, spending some great time with family and friends. This is what it's all about. And for the next hour, it's all about the best in soccer talk, self-proclaimed. And welcome into the Horn again as we stream at hornfm.com. I'm Glenn Davis. As always, your humble servant, the show presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. So uh, if you are in need of a personal injury attorney, you get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle, you go to John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. They're bilingual. DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are our presenting sponsors. All right. We got Premier League on top. We got European football to review. Uh, great drama and performances in Europe. Guests tonight include former Houston Dynamo defender Eddie Robinson. He's a four-time MLS Cup winner, plus former U.S. international Tab Ramos, who, by the way, has taken a new job now. And we'll talk about that with Tab on the show here tonight. Austin FC now has lost three out of four after a 3-0 loss at Nashville. Is this nervous time? I don't think so. And I think you got the sense from Josh Wolf that certainly nobody is hitting the panic button yet. We do know a number of things when it comes to major league soccer and how unforgiving it can be and how in the blink of an eye in the playoffs, um, you could be gone. Let's remember that um, because you can produce the best body of work during the year. And again, in a flash, it can be forgotten by most with an early playoff exit. And all you got to do is talk to Colorado and New England about that last year. But right now, the focus from Josh Wolf and the post-game press conference, Josh uh, mentioning that, no question about it, that uh, they are focused on the playoffs. Here is Austin FC coach Josh Wolf with his opening comments on the loss at Nashville 3-0. The guys started extremely well, and you know I think the first half we, we had a lot of good examples of what we wanted the game to look like, and we didn't cash in. And the start of the second half, you know, I think we give give Nashville credit; they came out with a different intensity, a different intent. Um, you know, obviously they're a direct team; they 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 do a great job with set pieces and throw-ins and kind of generating pressure that way. So, I thought some of the 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 fouls that were being called were a little light. That also helps bring them into it with a lot of different set pieces. I think at one point it was seventeen to five, and um, it ended up at 21 to 10, I think, after we finally we, we mentioned it to, to, to Nima. But, um, you know, that just added to it. So when, when they got the first goal, it was challenging. We had a tough time uh, getting back into it and putting our foot back on the gas. But um, we got to learn from it. You know, again, I think this is part of part of what uh, what this league can bring week to week. It's challenging. Last week, very similar opponent um, sat back. Uh, very, very transitional and set piece orientated. So very similar opponent this week that we got to, we got to get better with. And in the end, you got to, you got to take your opportunities when they're there as well and be a little bit more ruthless and, and um, calm and have the quality in front of goal. And I think the goals change games and we weren't able to grab the first one. So think about this, a two to one loss on the road to Minnesota United, two to one loss at home to Portland, where you played well, a three nil loss at Nashville, two of those goals coming very late in that game, a day where you rotate the team. And in between that, you have that amazing performance where you dismantled LAFC at home and what was, you know, pretty much the marquee match of the entire season in the league, both from the standpoint of aesthetics, playing style, star quality, and winning records. Make no mistake, Austin FC is going to want to get back to winning ways under Josh Wolf. It doesn't get easy in Seattle on the artificial surface. That is up next. And I will tell you, having called the Dynamo game, in Seattle, the Sounders were no great shakes in that game until they became alive after getting uh, their first goal in that one. Austin FC match, well, that was a tale of two halves in Nashville. A rotated team under Josh Wolf, Danny Houston in for Maxi Arruti. Um, you know, that simply will change the way a team plays with the different 
qualities of a striker, how you play into that striker, what you do with that striker when the ball's lost. There are small dynamics that do shift and move. And Houston has the, uh, very different qualities than Max Rudy. Owen Wolfen for Alex Ring. He does well. He continues to blossom as a young player. But look, the experience of Alex Ring is clearly missed. Nick Lima taking a seat to Jan Komanich, who comes in, and John Gallagher moves to the right-back position. By the way, think about this. It is rare that you shut out Austin FC. And that is what Music City actually did. Austin FC uh, wins the possession battle against a very direct team led by Hani Mukhtar, who, by the way, much like Sebastian Driussi, is up potentially for the MVP of the league. He gets two. He gets them late. Walker Zimmerman, the center back and U.S. international, gets one. You heard Josh Wolf talk about second half intensity. You saw it very clearly. Verde does not match Music City in the intensity category. And you know, take a bit of a body blow conceding the first goal. And one has to look at the power and persuasion of goals and, and when they're scored and, and how they can bring teams alive. Uh, same thing happened in Seattle with the Sounders who looked, honestly, did not look very good, uh, very beatable. And they're up against the ropes. And when Austin FC heads up to Seattle in this next match, uh, they're playing a team fighting for their playoff lives. I didn't see that for large portions of the game against Houston until they scored. So we'll see what's in store when the two green teams meet up in the Pacific Northwest. And look, the, the first goal we all know is critical. Uh, sometimes it's downplayed, not for me. It, it's a tactic changer. You score the first goal, it's a tactic changer. And even more so with more at stake late in the season and the playoffs now, the importance of getting the first goal uh, is huge. So the goals come for Nashville in the 49th for Zimmerman. You get two late goals from Hani Mukhtar in the 82nd, and then he gets one in stoppage time uh, in, in this game. And, you know, now he surpasses Sebastian Driussi for the golden boot. But if we look at this game, Schaffelberg, uh, early vertical chance, they're direct Nashville. This was an example of it. Very good save from Brad Stuver. And Danny Hooson has a chance to put Austin FC up. And, and this is where you think about the slim margins of games and, and how it could be different. And if he takes that chance, could be different. Josh Wolf referenced this in the post-match press conference. Zimmerman in the 49th. You don't often see a player in modern soccer off a corner get that type of unobstructed run to attack delivery. I mean, it just does not happen. You do not get a clear, more beautiful run to get on the end of this with your head. It's unimpeded. So this was, this is a lapse in concentration. It's self-inflicted. It hurts. And it really gets Nashville going. And then, of course, you have a self-inflicted loss of possession, which led to the first Mukhtar goal. To his credit, his first touch is absolutely razor sharp. And in the perfect place to get an angle and get a window to get a shot off from Cascante. So he creates the space to get the finish off. Uh, it's fabulous. It's razor sharp. Shaq Moore and Mukhtar. It looks like a jailbreak in stoppage time. Moore squares it to Mukhtar. He side foots it in. This transition is not dealt with well. And then, of course, Musa Jite getting sent off in this one as well. Okay. Uh, that's how it ends. It ends 3-0. Next up for Austin FC, trip to the Pacific Northwest. Seattle Sounders, and you want to get back on track. You want to get back to winning. Um, this is on artificial surface. That'll pose challenges itself. So we will see how the Verde are going to respond in Seattle. Okay, let's go to some international scores. Celtic 4-0 over Rangers. That's the old firm Derby. Everton and Liverpool. Nil-nil in the Merseyside derby. Um, that one proved, basically, if you watch that, that a nil-nil scoreline can be entertaining. Four posts were hit in that one. Man City won one after dominating Austin Villa. Yes, another for Erling Holland. Now, remember how many commentators said it will take him time to adjust to the Premier League? Well, I would say think about that for a second, because you know he has 10 goals now. And the reasons they gave, well, it's just not the same in Austria and the Bundesliga. 
and you know it's more open and and they were right on that standpoint it is more open and i think it's fascinating to watch holland now having to play against low block defending play in smaller spaces kind of they have to be selective when they can kind of open him up and get him running in transitional moments but he's got 10 goals and he's still kind of getting used to the league now that's scary that to me is scary Barcelona, a scintillating performance in a 3-0 win at Sevilla. At Sevilla. Robert Lewandowski, Eric Garcia got his first ever Barcelona goal. That rebuild continues under Xavi, despite, you know, pretty crazy financial turmoil, which sometimes I just can't figure this out, how teams can continue to acquire and spend while they're in such turmoil financially. I'll leave that to all you economics majors out there. Uh, on the college soccer front, Angela Kelly and Texas were on the road. They tie Oregon 1-1, and they defeat Gonzaga. They were down 2-0 to Gonzaga. Let's first talk about Oregon. Lexi Misimo getting the Longhorn goal in that one, testing themselves against Pac-12 opposition. And then the Horns would get a game winner at Gonzaga in a 3-2 comeback win from their center back, MJ Cox. Very talented player. She's chipping in with goals on occasion. Byers in Trinity Byers and freshman Liz Warden, uh, very highly touted young talent, also getting goals in that one. So a very uplifting win on the road at Gonzaga, 3-2 after being down 2-0. Three consecutive goals in the second half, a race at 2-0 deficit. That shows the powers of recovery. So Longhorn sitting at 3-1-1 now, heading into a Thursday night match against Utah State at Mike A. Meyer Stadium. That's a game that will air on the Longhorn Network. Looking forward to coming up to Austin and having a call with that uh, for that one on LHN this Thursday. Okay, quick moment here for LamontBrands.com. They are printing t-shirts, Soccer Matters t-shirts. They are selling them at their website at LamontBrands.com. And all the proceeds go to a 501c charity called the Snowdrop Foundation. Uh, if you're interested, you want to buy one. All of this goes back to pediatric cancer. I mean, the thing that's nice about this, they're printing all of these at their cost and they're shipping them at their cost. They will ship them to Austin. We're going to have some green ones made uh, for Soccer Matters in Austin. So you might want to hold off a little bit till we get those up. Um, but we'd love to see some of those Soccer Matters t-shirts uh, in green rolling around Q2 Stadium. Again, lamontbrands.com. That's where you get your t-shirt. Uh, five new colors are going to get rolled out and we're doing some live TV down there from their facility to promote the 501C charity Snowdrop Foundation. All the proceeds go there for scholarships, pediatric cancer awareness and fundraising. All right, we're going to take a break here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Uh, the show is always brought to you by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, any type of accident you get into, you don't want to, but you do need representation. You get the best. They'll work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. Our presenting sponsor, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. When we return, Eddie Robinson joins me, and we're going to talk about the Manchester United Arsenal game, what the future of Cristiano Ronaldo may be in his role, and uh, what a scintillating performance as the man, Ten Hag, continues to turn things around with bold decisions for the Reds. We'll take a break. It's Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by DaspitLawAustin.com. because they have been on top but it's a nice move you have to say all right welcome back to soccer matters here on the horn in austin texas is always presented by john daspit and the daspit law firm look it's daspitlaw.com you give them a call 512-865-6710 they're bilingual nobody wants to get in accidents but if you do you do need representation maybe you drive an 18-wheeler maybe you work construction maybe you get in a boat car motorcycle accident 
DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710 is the number. All right, next guest, Eddie Robinson uh, does the color analyst work for the Houston Dynamo, but we know him as a, I believe it's four-time Major League Soccer MLS Cup winner with both San Jose and the Houston Dynamo. Eddie, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Glenn. All right, let's get right into it. You and I both uh, were very intently, uh, we had it circled this weekend to watch the Manchester United Old Trafford uh, is where it was played against Arsenal uh, for a variety of reasons. How about a couple of general thoughts on a pretty comprehensive three to one win from United? I mean, it, it was just, it was a different Manchester United team that you've than what you've seen over the last couple of years. They were energetic. They were fast paced. Um, the finishing in front of goal was amazing. And uh, I mean, anytime you can play that well with Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench, something's going right. Eric Ten Hag maybe struggled a bit the first couple of games, but he's got this team firing on all, on all cylinders. And when you play against an Arsenal team that's won five out of five and you win comprehensively is the word you just used. I mean, that's, that's something for Man United fans to be excited about. Yeah, and maybe it's not as comprehensive as I might have said, but it was a three to one win for Manchester United over Arsenal. It's a first loss for Arsenal. And we'll get to some Cristiano Ronaldo talking about kind of what his future role is there. But let's talk about this in, in a lot of ways, because you did, you know, there is a spirit behind it. Uh, there is, you do feel there is some unity. This comes after a stumble out of the gate here with Ten Hag. But Eddie, uh, I think Ten Hag has been absolutely bold. I think benching Harry Maguire, I think benching Ronaldo, two really, really bold moves that, that other people have not been able to do, took guts. I think the fact that he took him on an eight and a half mile run on a day off and ran it himself with them was a message sender. And I also believe that a signing like Anthony now um, could get the best out of the likes of Marcus Rashford. You got a new guy in town that's going to provide competition for places and playing time. Um, and look, his skin's in the game on that to the tune of $100 million with the Manchester United fan base, but, uh, and of course the front office. But um, yeah, I just, I just am really enjoying this manager turning this around at the moment. Well, I mean, when you look at this group of players that they have now, um, you know, you look at Scott McTominay in the midfield along Bruno Fernandez, Anthony on, out on the wing, they've finally got some fire back. If you go back to the days of the Nevilles with Beckham, with Butt, with Scholes, with all of those guys, Giggs, I mean, Cantona, you, I mean, the list goes on and on. They were fiery. They would fight. They would get stuck in. They would compete. They didn't just think they could show up one each day and, and the other team would roll over. And I feel like that's where Manchester United has been. They've had some soft players, but now Eric Ten Hag's got them to the back to that point, I think. And I really like seeing that from a great team that spent a lot of money, but you spend the money in the right place and you get the right players involved and you get the attitude correct. There's no stopping you. And that's, uh, that's the way our Dynamo teams were. I won't say that we were anywhere near as good as those Manchester United teams, but we, have, we shared the same attitude. We were going to knock you out, and then we were going to score goals, and we were going to send you on your way. And that looks to me, now we'll see over the next couple of games, but that looks to me where Manchester United is now. Eddie Robinson joining us here uh, on Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com. So a number of different, really interesting things to me uh, that Ten Hag has done that's been bold. Okay, Harry, Harry Maguire gets benched. It's Varane and Martinez. Martinez comes from Ajax as well, so we have a lot of Ajax influence. He struggled a little bit the first two games. He now looks like a very solid center back with Varane. Um, Malasia, I like the young guy. But I think one of the other big ones today for me, and maybe he's the player of the game, despite the fact that Rashford had two goals in the 66th and 79th, was Christian Eriksen. Um, oh. you know, the, the passes, the decisions, the amount of good decisions with you that you get with Christian Eriksen on the ball. Um, I mean, I think this is a stroke of brilliance signing him. 
Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's like a gift in disguise for Man United fans. Um, you Surprise know, package. What, yes. What, what he, what he went through and how difficult it was um, in the Euros. I mean, that was hard to watch. And then when he left Tottenham, I mean, I was, I was worried about him, but man, I mean, his quality is just, it's timeless. I don't, it doesn't matter how old he is or how old he gets. He's just smart enough. And if you watch him, and this is the one thing that I tell a lot of people when they ask me about soccer, we have discussions that say, don't watch the ball all the time, pick out a specific player and watch what they do, watch their movement when their team has the ball, but they're not on it or defensively. What are they doing when they don't have the ball? Watch other things. And Christian Eriksen, man, so many young players could learn so much from him about his timing, where he finds spaces and gaps in between the midfield and the back four, and then how he already knows before he gets the ball what he's going to do with it is just – it's mesmerizing. He's so much fun to watch. But the best part about him is he's humble, or at least he seems humble when he does interviews – and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact with what he went through with his health and the unfortunate nature of that. But man, uh, that is a blessing in disguise for Manchester United fans. He is going to be a big part of the season. And if they can continue to play the way that they did today, we're going to see them challenging for the Premier League championship. I guarantee you. Christian Eriksen, the Dane has, you know, he's always been that way. He's always been a very quiet guy. But what I like about him now is is how he affects others around him, not only with his decision making, but his ability to, you know, it's so wonderful if you're a defender. And I know you know this. When you have somebody in front of you, you can hit their feet and they can get themselves out of pressure. Even if you maybe slightly played a bad ball or you played it to his wrong foot, they still can get out of pressure. But I think he's actually... Not that he's not going to help others, but I think his relationship with Bruno now will allow Bruno to little, be a little bit more higher up the field, creative, provide the telling ball. We saw that with Rashford getting in behind defenses today. Um, so I, I think the Erickson signing also is, is a big one. And, and, I, and I think it, it just adds to the competition. I think it's going to lift guys like Rashford and Sancho because this guy's coming here to play for a manager he's played with before. And, and I think those players also know that they're like, look, Ten Hag has had success with Anthony before, right? With Ajax and he's one of his guys. So uh, I just think there's great dynamics with these signings as well, when it comes to affecting competition and also, you know, lifting everybody's antennas. Oh, for sure. Without question. I mean, there's, there's, that's what the, Manchester United has been missing is that competition for places. It was always the same guys again and again. Now, when you can sit Harry Maguire, who was one of the most expensive center backs in history and Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench and still beat a team like Arsenal. I mean, you're on to something there. So the fans are just going to keep pushing that on. The players are going to keep fighting for time and that's what you want and that's what you need to be a successful team, especially in the premier league, which is by far the, from top to bottom, the best league in the world. I mean, look at what Brighton did today to Leeds, to Leeds or no Leeds yesterday, but uh, that was Brentford, but look what Brighton did this morning. I mean, good grief. I mean, you look at that top four and you're like, wait a second, hold on. I mean, that, that league from top to bottom, top to bottom is just incredible. And so you need that competition for places, but you need that depth. And it seems that that's what Manchester United has gotten to. Yeah. They got that collective unity back. It seemed like that today, really pulsating tempo ball, moving off their feet quickly. Same with Arsenal is a great game. United's got a bit of a new spirit here. They got a new player that they thrust right into a starting lineup and Anthony scores a goal. You got a coach now that's being bold. Um, you know, has benched Harry Maguire, um, has benched Cristiano Ronaldo. And, and by the way, they were poor during the week in the 1-0 win against Leicester City. They, they, they were not good. And I think an opponent definitely today brought, brought the best out in them. Rashford, I thought, was 
was slow as molasses, didn't look interested during the week. But, you know, let's hope this is the standard if you're a Manchester United fan. Saka tied it up after Anthony in the 66th. And then it was, of course, uh, Marcus Rashford in the 66th and 79th. Um, by the way, the first goal to Anthony, Eddie, how about that? Rashford to Anthony, but what a buildup. And then just the, the calmness of the finish from, from Anthony, which, you know, this was kind of his curtain raiser uh, uh, at United, his debut. Well, they got it right on the commentary. The, the timing and weight of the pass from Rashford to make sure that Anthony was still on side, but it was put in a place where he didn't close down the angle with his pass. So it was real easy for Anthony to find that back post. I mean, it's a, that's immediate chemistry. That's something that anybody would would love, would absolutely love, is that immediate chemistry. And it seems like he's going to fit in perfectly. And his attitude, like he just seems mean. He seems like he's just he wants to win every time he steps on the field. And if you have players like that that are as good technically as they are mentally. I mean, that, that's it's a sleeping giant, I believe. I would just say that today uh, Arsenal was with missing uh, Thomas Partey. They actually thought they had the game's first goal uh, when Martinelli scored in transition, got behind a defense. A great finish from him, but there was a foul prior on Christian Eriksen after a VAR check, and that was pretty obvious. I don't think our Arsenal fans can even uh, deny that. So that's how it ends today. Three to one Manchester United. Let's get a couple of thoughts before we let you go on uh, Austin FC. Um, and, and you and I watched a lot of them last year. Of course I do for this show here on the horn, um, soccer matters, but you know, last year when I heard everybody wanting Josh Wolf to be fired, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is normal fan reaction, but are they watching the principles of play that are being instituted? And they were very evident there, especially from the attacking standpoint. So for me, it was never, you know, it, it's always Josh Wolf's going to get another year. Now you got to find a couple of different players to fit this system better. You've tested some, some of them haven't passed the test. And, you know, you go out, you get a Gabrielson, you go out, you get a Ruti. Um, Pereira now has grown a bit. Um, you got a guy in John Gallagher now who is, you're trying to get goals out of him last year. You found out he can be a left back option for you. So a lot of things have really come into place and that's not all of it, but what were your thoughts on them when you watched them last year? Because they, they couldn't finish and they did get hit in transition a lot. Yet, I still said, you know what? Go into the second year with the same coach. Well, I mean, and this is what, you know, I've actually been um, quite vocal the last few days on Twitter for people calling for Paulo Nagamura to be fired. I don't think it's fair yet. I think you have to give them at least one offseason to create the environment that they want to, the character of the team that they want, the style of play that they want. And that's what Josh Wolf has done. Now, that loss last night, it kind of reminds me of what LAFC has gone through the last few weeks. They've been struggling. Top of the Western Conference, these two teams have had great years, have great players that are doing very well. So now what these coaches have to focus on is just getting themselves. They're going to make the playoffs. I mean, there, there's no question about it with Austin. They're going to be in the playoffs, but they've got to make sure that they're firing on all cylinders, as does LAFC, once they enter the playoff run, because that's one of the things that we always did with our successful teams. Um, only once. I, was, I played in this league for 11 years and won four MLS Cups, as you mentioned earlier, but only once did I win a supporter shield. It's not easy to do. And that year was 2005 when we lost to L.A. in the playoffs. So you've got to be able to fire on all cylinders because the four times we won, we were not the best team in the league during the regular season, but we peaked during the playoffs. I mean, you go back and you look at, you know, the, the wait year. a minute, Eddie, what was the secret to peaking? I mean, how did you peak? What did Dominic Kinnear do? How did you peak? Um, you just don't say, Hey, we're going to peak. How did you peak? What, what got ratcheted up? What changed? Was there a tactical change? Was there a performance change? Tell us what it was that helped you to kind of get into that momentum and begin to peak. 
That's a great question. And I think it comes down to the attitude of the individuals that you put on the field. So you go through the whole season and you figure out who is the strongest mentally and who hates to lose the most and who will give you everything, right? You and I talked the other night after the LAFC game about all the Dynamo players. They were laid out on the field. They gave it their all that game. You have to do that every single game. If you go back and you look at RSL, Real Salt Lakes, um, MLS Cup run, they had a losing record and got into the playoffs, but won MLS Cup. But you look at the Kyle Beckermans and the Nick Romandos. I mean, this was these were guys that had the right attitude. So now it comes down to the manager, not the coach, but the manager to tell these guys and to explain to these guys what it's going to take. And that is attitude, that is heart, that is desire, that is fight at all costs, no matter what. And when it all comes down to it, I've said it many, many times on broadcasts that you and I have done, there's a bit of luck involved too. You just need things to bounce your way and go your way. But, you know, when, when you've got a pat on static goal, saving penalty kicks, you've got Dwayne D. Rosario scoring goals that shouldn't be scored. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. That's pretty nice too, right? So good good fortune plays a part in a playoff run. But I but I think what you're really accenting here, and I think this plays very well to the Austin FC fan, is that this is a completely second season. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe these timely losses. Uh, I thought Josh Wolf had no panic after this game against Nashville. Look, he had to put out a a differing squad that was missing a tremendous amount of experience simply when you don't have Alex ring and a Rudy on the field. Um, so I think you have to factor all these things in, but I think it's also exciting for the fan to watch very closely how you're going to enter the playoffs. Um, yeah, injuries, workload, all these things, um, prior performances, and then you got to see kind of where you go from there because the margins get slim, a mistake or two here, and you're out. Um, and right now, Josh Wolf was really focused on, quote, just saying we have to clinch a playoff spot and get a home field playoff spot. I mean, I think he's very focused on that. He also mentioned that the first goal uh, does go a long way, and I, I think it yeah. does, especially against a direct team like, like Nashville who's doing the long throw-ins and dangerous offset pieces. So, yeah. um Interesting one there. Eddie, listen, as always, um, thank you for your time. And uh, we appreciate you coming on Soccer Matters, the Austin version here tonight. I always enjoy it, Glenn. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Eddie Robinson. Four MLS Cups. He's won. He's also the color analyst for the Houston Dynamo. Uh, Both Eddie and I have been up and have had a great time calling uh, some radio broadcasts from the beautiful Q2 stadium there. So there's a guy who's been a part of a number of great run-ups to winning MLS Cups. We'll take a break here. It's all presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlawaustin.com, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. John and his firm, they're personal injury attorneys. Uh, Support them. They support your game. They get soccer on the airways. We'll take a break. One more segment to come. Tab Ramos, the former Houston Dynamo coach, U.S. International, and now the coach of Hartford Athletic in the USL Championship is next. Welcome back to Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, our final segment of the night. And as always, we are presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, bringing soccer to the airwaves. Most importantly, though, if you need representation, you get in a car accident, boat, motorcycle. Um, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, they're personal injury attorneys. You can contact them. They're bilingual at 512-865-6710, 512 Six seven one zero. Remind you that uh, you can follow me at Twitter and on Instagram at Soccer Matters GD at Glenn Davis Sock. All right. So let's get into our final segment here tonight. Uh, former U.S. International, uh, formerly of the Houston Dynamo and Major League Soccer coaching, uh, he is now taking the job at USL Championship side Hartford Athletic. He is Tab Ramos. 
Well, Tab, finally got you here, an interview we set up a while ago. I, I appreciate you coming on, and, and I like you coming on at a moment of good news. You're back in the coaching game now, Hartford Athletic USL Championship. Tell me how that came down, and maybe tell me, you know, why now and, and why Hartford? Yeah, first of all, you know, thank you for having me on again. It was always, uh, I always enjoyed being on being on your show. Uh, I know we scheduled this a, a while back and it just worked out that uh, it just works out right after I, I decided to take this job. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it, you know, um, and, I, and I've said this before in other interviews, but, you know, this game forgets you fast. You know, I've been out of coaching for, for nine months now, and it's been a long nine months after coaching for 17 straight years. And, uh, and I felt like I had to get back on the field. So I'm, I'm really happy to be back and, and uh, starting the end of this week, I, I can start training with, uh, with the new team. Tab Ramos, now the coach of Hartford Athletic in the USL Championship. You just had a great quote, this game forgets you fast. Take me into that a little bit more from your perspective. Yeah, you know, you know first of all, the, 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 you know, coaching and staying current, it's important. You know, if you, I feel like if you don't coach for a year and a half, two years, you're sort of in the back and, and forgotten about. And then, you know, taking that into more detail, the game does forget you. You know, I mean, think about the coaches that were coaching in MLS two years ago who are not back. You, you kind of forget them. You forget they're even around. You know, you, you sort of think, okay, the guys that are getting fired now will get, you know, they'll get new jobs. But you forget the guys that were let go before, you know, like the year before, the year before that. So I think it's important to stay current, to stay busy, to keep working. I think the best way to get a job is to to have a job. And uh, and that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. I understand that this game, no matter who you are or who you think you are, um, if you stay away from it, uh, people forget you fast. Now, I know you love being on the fields, that that element of it. I you and I had talked a couple months ago and, you know, I knew you were fielding offers from potential suitors and. I was kind of after I hung up, I'm like, okay, I wonder how long it's going to take Tab to get back and get the itch and to be back on the field. Um, Is that part of accepting this job that, look, you know, you got to get back out there, out of sight, out of mind, to your point? No no question. I mean, when you and I spoke the last time, I think it was back in June, I I had been speaking with a couple different USL teams. But of course, like every coach, you know, I was waiting for the perfect opportunity. You know, I was... You know, I was contemplating the fact that, you know, some MLS teams might be interested that in the middle of the season, some MLS teams make changes. And then sort of as the middle of the season has gone through, I really feel like I don't want to wait until the end of the year. I feel like that would be too long. I, I just want to get back on the field as soon as possible. And I had been speaking with this particular club for a couple of months now, uh, and in particular with Ray Reed. Uh, and Ray is the one who really... I don't want to say convince me because I don't think, you know, I think it's disrespectful to say that someone can convince you to go to a club. I think this club has a great fan base and, uh, and I think it's in a good spot to, uh, to, to begin a new project. It's practically a new club. It's only been around for about four years. Uh, and so I think it's a great opportunity for me to, to put sort of all of my experiences together and to help the club uh, in many different ways. Of course, you know, the number one way is that, that I have to get results on the field. That's really what matters. Uh, but I think I can help this club develop uh, a really strong foundation for the future. Okay, before we get into that, and I do want to talk about their roster and kind of what you know, type of culture you're going to try to build there, where you're going to be working, I'm sure, even beyond just actually managing and coaching the team. But um, just about your experience in MLS. Look, it started tough, pandemic. Um, you know, you had a lot of time here in Houston, what you learned from it. And, and since you've had some time to process it, right, it's, it's always great to get away. And then you, you start realizing different things. I, I know that happens to me a lot. How about what you have learned from that experience? Yeah, it was great. You know, so first of all, I have to say that I, you know, I really enjoyed my time in Houston. You know, I enjoy the fans there. I know that, you know, the results were not there. Uh, but I, I really do feel like, the staff I had uh, and myself, we really gave everything we had for that club. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't work. Um, I, you know, there was a lot of things that I can look back at now and, 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 and say that I think I, I might have gotten wrong. And I think one of the things was, you know, when I met with, with ownership there, 
you know, I promised that we were going to have a certain style of play. And that certain style was going to be that we were going to come after teams regardless, whether we played home or on the road or wherever. And I think I stuck to that. Uh, and I think I stuck to that past the point where I should have. I think there should have been a point uh, where I played a little bit more conservative, uh, where I changed things up so that we would at times play not to lose rather than only to win. Um, and I didn't do that. And I, and I think I, I, I should have. And I think that I should have changed some things around. And th- these last nine months have given me an opportunity to kind of look back on everything I had done in Houston and, uh, and, and things that I had done before Houston as well and, and sort of uh, eliminated a lot of the things that I don't want to move forward with. But that's such a fine line, isn't it? I mean, it is kind of hindsight in a way. It's such a fine line when you're trying to build a long-term culture, but then you maybe have to pull off those results. Wilmer Cabrera pulled off those results. I remember that because he was trying to implement the same style of play as you. And then he realized, you know, hey, I got some wingers who maybe don't want to do it without the ball. Let's turn into a counterattacking team. So I, I have to think that's one you really wrestle with, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, you know, I have a tough time with that, you know, because I I just always feel as a coach, you know, when, as a coach, when you review the games, you're not actually reviewing the game according to the score. You're, you're, you're watching actual chances. Are we creating opportunities? How are we getting scored on? You know, and then you look at the game that way. So a game that we might've lost three, two in the last minute, I might've come in the next day and talk to the players about how great we were that day because we were. And maybe we lost a goal. We, you know, we lost a game and a mistake at the end, which which actually happened quite a few times. Um, but but uh, you know, I, I look at the game that way, and I think that um, you know that that's the only way you can look at it. Tab Ramos joining us here. Uh, just named the head coach of Hartford Athletic in the USL. All right. So overall, you know, just talk a little bit about the roster of the club, attendance, kind of the things that are going on there and, and some of the things that have you excited about this opportunity. I mean, the, the you know, the first thing um, was really Ray Reed, you know, having the conversations with Ray. You know, Ray has been a winner for decades now. You know, as you know, he was with UConn for 25 years. You know, he's a well-known individual nationwide, but in particular in Connecticut, he's a huge figure. Um, you know, the fans of this club, Hartford Athletic, you know, it's a, it's a team that has been, that has been having sellout, sellout after sellout at home. You know, it has a stadium that only seats about 5,500 to 6,000, um, but they're selling it out, you know. And as I understand, I think our next home game, which is September 10th, may already be sold out. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of fan support. So I think that, you know, that's one of the things that USL has at the moment and a bunch of clubs, they have a lot of fan support. And I think that's a great way to start. So those are, those were things that were really, that were really important because I, I think a club can have a future when it has a strong fan base and Connecticut um, has been known for having great fans. Yeah. Good soccer state as well. Now, is that your debut as a coach on the 10th against Tulsa? Uh, correct. Yeah, that'll yes. be the success. Well, maybe yeah. that's why it's also selling out again, too. I would imagine there are going to be people coming to see Tab Ramos coaching. Uh, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be. But at the same time, um, obviously, uh, you know, the club has been selling out. So I, I, I really don't think it's me. All right. Well, you're a humble man. I know that. Uh, Tab Ramos joining us here tonight. Um, so let's talk about USL because, you know, I, I know the push for Major League Soccer has been to MLS next and two teams. And, you know, I always look at the USL and I say, wow, this is so positive for soccer in this country. Player development opportunities, coaching opportunities, front office uh, marketing markets that, you know, maybe are different markets, but they're all spreading the lore of the game. They have environments, though, to your point, at Hartford. 6,000 a game in an intimate building is great healthy pressure for players, great healthy pressure for a coach. Do you think some of that is lost in MLS Next now since, you know, there, there aren't USL teams competing with those young guys? Um, the environment and, and the importance of environment. Yeah, of course. Um, I think what will end up happening is, you know, I think MLS – uh, MLS Next Pro is, is a great project and it's one that every club should have. Uh, at the same time, it'll, it'll fall below, obviously, USL. So I still believe that a lot of the MLS clubs who believe 
certain players will not be moving to the first team during the season. Uh, they will get a lot more experience out of playing in the USL rather than playing MLS uh, uh, pro uh, next pro. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, you know, obviously those young players will lose by not being in the USL, but I think it's a good move for uh, MLS. Exciting stuff. Tab Ramos is a head coach at Hartford Athletic in the USL. Um, the time period you were off, I mean, not just the coaching side of it, but you had mentioned to me, hey, it was so great to be back with your family in New Jersey. Um, just other things that may have entered your mind when all of a sudden it gets quiet, right? I mean, when you're coaching a major league soccer team, you're probably not sleeping half the nights. Now, all of a sudden you got a little more time. What did you find? What did you reflect on maybe outside of the game? And, and, and how important was it for you maybe to get a little time period of quiet? Yeah, um, you're right about the, you know, situation of, you know, coaching in MLS. Actually, when I left, I, you know, I, I mentioned to John Walker, the president over there, Hughes, I said, you know, I'm sorry for, for making you have so many sleepless nights. If, if it helps any, just know that I didn't get any sleep over the last two years. Yeah. So that was a fact. Yeah, so it was a good chance for me to come home and, uh, you know, reflect on all the things that had happened, but at the same time, enjoy you know, being in New Jersey, as you know, I'm very much an East Coast person. Um, I enjoyed being in, the, you know, down the shore for most of the summer. It's been, you know, it's amazing here. So I, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of good times with a lot of friends that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And, and I've been able to enjoy my kids, you know, um, my kids I hadn't really seen, you know, the last two years because, you know, unfortunately with the whole COVID situation, I couldn't come home either uh, at any time from Houston. So, so it's been it's been really uh, on that side on the family side it's been it's been great and then on the on the you know technical and tactical side of reviewing the game and analyzing and and correcting you know all the things that I had done and be able to you know to analyze you know some of the things that I had done wrong it, it really the time off really helped me a lot. Tab Ramos joining us here on Soccer Matters ESPN ninety seven five presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. Okay, so uh, you are involved with a lot of these young, young, talented players now. We're basically in unprecedented times that are going to represent us in the World Cup in Qatar coming up. You will also be uh, doing a lot of commentary on Telemundo. Um, I can break that news. But, you know, how interesting is this for you now, having worked with all these young guys? And, and, and when you look at this moment, you look at the group, you know, what do you see right now as someone who really was a part of the development of a lot of these young guys and also saw them a couple of years ago and are looking at them now playing at the top clubs in the world and the top leagues in the world? You know, I'm, I'm very proud of all these players. You know, I'm very happy that I've been able to play a small part in what, you know, where they are. Uh, you know, as a youth national team coach, you see them very little, to be honest. Uh, but I did get an opportunity to to get to know all of them as people. And that's, that's really, that's really important to me as, you know, as all the players who have played uh, for me know, um, you know, in particular, this team is exciting for me because, you know, they, it has a, it has a good heart. You know, if you look at the middle of the team, if you look at McKinney, Tyler Adams and Musa, that that's that the heart of the team, that's the middle of the team. I think, I think that's a middle three that can match up with, pretty much any team in, in the world. And I know that's saying a lot, uh, but I really do feel like that, that we have a really good engine in the middle. And, and that's important. Are you that, talking it, specific physically or physically and cerebrally? No, I think mostly physically. Mostly physically, those guys are a great engine. Um, and I think that gives the coach an opportunity to make other changes. You know, so when you look at the team now, I, I don't, particularly think that defensively it's a strong national team. Um, I think attacking wise, there's a lot of question marks. Um, obviously Aronson is playing his way right now to being a starter. Um, but I really see those three middle guys as, as the guys that are going to make the thing tick. And then up front, you know, it'll be the coach's decision on whether, you know, whether, you know, Pulisic will play with Aronson or Wea or whoever. Um, and then in the back, obviously, you know, you, we know that, you know, Robinson on the left side is is the one who has been the most consistent over the last year and a half. 
and the other three spots are still question marks, you know? Um, so, um, so I think I'm excited about that middle part of it. Uh, and I think that's an important part because I think most teams lack that area. Tab Ramos joining us here. We're talking uh, about the world cup. Um, you know, when you reflect and you think of the resources you had when you were on the national team and, and, and to where we are now, it, it really is like remarkably different, remarkably different. Uh, do you mean when I played? Yeah. I mean, just, just yeah. the care of the athlete, um, you know, you know, just, it just seems so it's like light years away. Now the advancements of how these players are treated and the fact that now look, We've evolved as a soccer playing nation and we have kids that are playing at very young ages on monster clubs and they're starting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no question. It's a different world uh, than the one I, I came up in through the national team. You know, these guys are so much, you know, the players now are so much better prepared. Um, they have access to so many different areas that we did, you know, whether it's psychological, you know, high performance, you know, like these are all things that, you know, a lot of the times for us, to be honest, when we started with the national team, you know, you warm up, you know, jogging around and stretching your quads and, you know, almost like, I don't want to say like a Sunday league, but it was, it was much closer to that, you know, and, uh, and just the best players played. That was just the bottom line. Um, now there's so many different components to being part of a national team, but, but let's be honest. So, you know, other countries have progressed as well. So it's not like we've been progressing and everyone's just watching us come through. I mean, other than Central America, which has had a hard time keeping up uh, with the rest of the world. And I think they're likely further behind than they were before. Um, I think, you know, European teams, you know, have access to everything we have access to. South American teams now do as well. Um, so, so it's tough catching up with that upper echelon of teams. You know, and, and I think we're in a good spot, but I, I, you know, you know, taking those next couple of steps are really, really difficult and will take a long time. Tab, as always, thank you very much. I got one fun question for you before you go, because you told me you were down at the Jersey Shore and anybody who grew up in New Jersey, just like me, a lot of your family vacations were at the Jersey Shore. Okay, so I'm thinking you might have played a little beach soccer. Am I right? I kicked the ball around a little bit, but okay. I would say play. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you, yeah. you, you still got it. Yeah. Tab, yeah. thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. I also want to thank you for all the access you gave me personally uh, when you were down here in Houston. That meant a lot to me and it also helped us really promote the team. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glenn. All right. That's Tab Ramos. He debuts uh, coming up for Hartford athletic on the 10th of September. That'll be his first job in charge, a match that'll be sold out against Tulsa. That does it tonight for Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Just a reminder, uh, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Soccer Matters GD at Glenn Davis Sock. You can also get the podcast to this show at hornfm.com. As always, a big, big thank you to our presenting sponsor, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. They're bilingual at 512-865-6710, 512 one zero. Thank you, John Daspit and DaspitLawAustin.com. For producer Ty Henderson, I'm Glenn Davis. Until next Monday night in Austin, Texas, remember, soccer matters.